Well, this morning is, uh, we are observing, as with many churches across the country, uh, Orphan Sunday, and that's going to be our, our focus, is what does it mean to be adopted in Christ. And so I want to look at Romans chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. Stand, if you would, please, and let's read God's Word together. Romans chapter 8. Turn in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. Beginning in verse 14, it says in your bulletin, I think, 15, but we're going to start in verse 14. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these moments together. We, we can come and, Lord, that we can receive the word which you have imparted to us. By your grace, Lord, you have revealed to us that you indeed are our heavenly Father. All who name the name of Christ are called by his name. Lord, today, as we consider your word, we pray that your spirit would teach us and lead us into all truth. Help us to understand what it really means to have the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of Christ. Help us, Father, to come before you and trust you wholly and completely as our Heavenly Father who cares for us, who knows our every need, who is able to care. Lord, we just commit our time to you. Tune our hearts, we pray, this day and turn our hearts to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. And so today we, uh, we join with uh, hundreds and probably thousands of churches across America who are recognizing uh, Orphan Sunday. Uh, it's not an official uh, government declaration. It's just believers across the country saying that we want to acknowledge God's significant uh, uh, direction to us and how we are to care for orphans. By some estimates, there are about 18.5 million orphans around the world. Those are just those kids without fathers and mothers, not to mention many others that are uh, in great need because of uh, less than optimal family situations. And our focus today, though, I want to be careful, doesn't in any way uh, diminish our responsibility to care for the widows in our midst. Every time, not every time, but pretty much every time you see orphans mentioned in Scripture or the fatherless mentioned in Scripture, you're going to see a reference to widows. And uh, we are committed in this church to caring for those widows. Uh, in, in this church. But today, we want especially to focus on what God's Word tells us about uh, uh, the true orphans. And by the way, true orphans are all who are apart from Christ. God's Word makes that clear. But we also want to look at uh, those that are without fathers and mothers. And in particular, we want to start by looking at God's gracious and immeasurable act of love when He adopted all of us in Christ to be His sons and to be His daughters. You know, this church is blessed in a whole lot of ways. I think we all recognize that sometimes we say, how could we be so blessed as a body of believers here in Orange? Why did God allow us to come together and to worship Him and to be united in Christ in such a way? And we're also blessed to have several families uh, with adopted children at Grace Church and, and a number of uh, adults who were adopted as children. And I, I thank God for the, the legal and the judicial system in our country that affords ad adoptive children all the rights and all the privileges of uh, genetically related offspring. You know, adopted kids in this country are, are blessed through our legal system. And not all countries afford these privileges uh, to adoptive children. 
Uh, Cindy and I have close friends uh, who live in a country where adoption is rare and largely a result of a um, predominant religion that places huge value on ancestry and on family lineage. And uh, our friends were literally early adopters uh, in adopting uh, two of their four children. And they worked for many years to get adoption laws changed so that their adoption, adoptive children could enjoy the full benefits of their biologically related siblings, uh, such as the rights of inheritance. And our friends eventually saw the laws changed, but sadly not retroactively. And uh, their adopted children today still carry a sort of adoption stigma and don't enjoy the inheritance rights of their uh, genetically uh, born uh, siblings. That's uh, kind of sad, isn't it? Thank God that uh, we don't have that kind of uh, limitation here in the U.S. But many of us here today have been impacted in some way uh, by adoption. Uh, maybe you know someone who's been adopted, or someone in your family has been adopted, or, or maybe your parents adopted you. I thought about asking folks to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I'd be curious, that's for sure. You can tell me later. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing for sure, and that is our family has been hugely adopt, uh, uh, impacted by adoption. Um, I, of course, many of you know uh, we have a daughter who uh, served as a missionary in a, uh, uh, serving orphans for a number of years, and she expects and hopes to go back doing that sometime soon. Uh, we have another daughter and her husband that uh, are in the process of adopting a little one today, and it's very uh, high profile for, for the Holbrook family right now. And there's more, but I'll get to that later. Um, and um, I want it, to, it's really important that we understand that God makes it clear that the fatherless have a special place before him. And uh, we have a special responsibility to care for orphans. God's word's clear. And I personally believe that uh, adoptions particularly please the Lord. Um, it doesn't mean that those who are uh, biologically related are somehow inferior to those that are adopted. I'm not saying that in any way. But I think there's just something about adopting that reflects God's love for us in a very special way, and God blesses that. Um, and most of us are privileged to be, um, that have been uh, impacted by adoption. At some point, realize that ad adoption entails a special um, dimension of being loved and cherished. One thing that adoption know for sure is that they were wanted and that their lives are radically different because they were adopted. People that uh, are adopted know that their parents wanted them. How could it be any other way? And they wanted them in a very special way. So today I want to look uh, more closely at what God's Word says about orphans and uh, adoption. And it has a lot to say. We won't even begin to touch on all of it. But before we can fully appreciate God's approval of earthly adoption, uh, we need to look closely at God's plan for eternal uh, heavenly adoption, our adoption in Christ. So first, uh, I want to look at God's uh, adoption plan. Uh, first is that we're adopted as sons, and in being adopted as sons, most of us were adopted when we didn't expect it. It was just unexpected. Back to the passage of Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. The Bible tells us when we come to saving faith in Christ, we're immediately adopted into his family. There's no delay. There's no paperwork. There's no government agency that, whose approval is required. Adoption by God is one of the great truths of the faith. It's one of the greatest, most profound blessings afforded the believer. 
It is as adopted sons and daughters in Christ that we enjoy all the joys and all the riches the Bible tells us that he lavishes upon those who love him. I think God's adoption of us as believers is the model by which we deal with the trials and sufferings that come our way, especially as parents. So I want to look primarily at what it means to be adopted by God. Now, there are some orphans uh, in this world today <laughs> that are like kind of like uh, Annie. You remember little orphan Annie um, who prayed every day for someone to adopt her? Orphan Annie first appeared, by the way, uh, as a comic strip in 1924 and then later as a Broadway musical and a movie. Somehow the idea of a, of a little cute little girl being adopted really grabbed uh, the hearts of, American, of America. And that early cartoon shows Annie scrubbing the floors while praying, gee, I wish nice folks would adopt me. Then I'd have a real papa and mama like other kids. Later, Annie is kneeling by her bed and she's clearly praying. I don't see that too often in cartoons today, but back in 1924, that was okay. And she, and she prayed, and please make me a real good little girl so that some nice people will adopt me. Then I can have a papa and a mama to love. Uh, and, and if it's not too much trouble, uh, I'd like a dolly. Amen. I mean, it kind of grabs you, doesn't it? And thank God that, that he's already adopted us as believers, and we don't have to do anything. We don't have to be good little girls or little boys to be adopted. We simply have to come before him and confess our sins and acknowledge that there's nothing we could ever do to deserve being his son or being his daughter. Well, many kids who are adopted are too young to realize that they need to be adopted. In fact, most kids that are adopted don't really know. And as sinners did in our trespasses, we didn't have a clue that we were orphans until God revealed himself to us and showed us our sin. And he showed us how destitute and alone that we really were. It was certainly like that with Jesus' disciples. In John 14, Jesus told his disciples that when he physically left this earth, the Father would send another helper, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, who would be with us as believers forever and dwell every believer. And then Jesus promised something else that I, I don't think that they were expecting at all, something that most likely caused the disciples to see themselves differently than they had ever seen themselves before that moment. It was kind of like a statement out of the blue. Jesus turned to them and says, this is in John chapter 14 and verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. I wonder what they were thinking when they heard that. I'll not leave you as orphans. Well, I'm not orphans. I'm gonna... Wait a minute. Apart from you, I'll be left alone in this world. They begin to think about that, I have no doubt. And they realize that apart from Christ, with them every moment, apart from God in their lives every moment, that they would be orphans. And they thought, hey, well, apart from him, I'm an orphan. But Jesus says, no, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. We find out why later on, or how later on. In Romans chapter 8 again, back to verse 14, it says, all who are led by the Spirit are sons, the Spirit of God, are sons of God. To be led by the Spirit of God means that the Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, assures us that we are indeed adopted in Christ by our Heavenly Father. We are sons of God. This is one of the first promises Jesus made to his followers. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of God. Called sons of God. Jesus made that very clear from the very beginning of his ministry. Then we find in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. I love the way that John puts it in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Whoever believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Born of God. One of the great joys of salvation is realizing that we're actually adopted in Christ. It was his plan from the beginning. Not that we first loved him, but he first loved us. So we, when we didn't even realize that we had the need, that we didn't even realize that we were orphans, God revealed to us that, yes, you are. In a marvelous, unexpected way, God opened our blind eyes and allowed us to see us for who we really were. Allowed us to see Christ for who he really is. The means by where, by which, through his shed blood upon the cross, we're adopted as sons. Well, secondly, we're adopted in the Spirit. Adopted in the Spirit in a way that we could never deserve, unlike Orphan Annie who wanted to be that good little girl so somehow she could be adopted. God chose to adopt us when we deserved at least. And Romans 8 assures us that our relationship with Christ transfers us from a spirit of slavery in bondage to sin, controlled by the evil one, subject to every desire of the flesh, from a spirit of slavery to the spirit of adoption as sons. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Well, we not only believe in a, in a doctrinal sense that we're sons of God, for such we are, but we feel it in our innermost being. We know that we are his children because the Spirit testifies in our hearts that we are his. This is crucial. We move from the spirit of slavery to sin to the spirit who indwells every believers, every believer and assures us in our hearts that we really are children of God. Are you my real father? The Lord says, yes, yes, I am. Spirit affirms that. But tragically, we live in a world where one of the greatest evils to ever plague man, mankind still goes on and thrives in some places. Children, little children in this world right now, today, are being sold by their parents and, and merchants of children into actual slavery of such depravity that we can barely grasp the depths of the horror that these little ones face every day. And I pray God's mercy on them. And thank God that sometimes, through adoption, that um, loving, godly parents intervene to avoid this process altogether. And they offer a new hope and a new life to these children. But of course, not every adopted child is adopted out of literal slavery. slavery. But I can tell you this, children adopted into loving homes are given a gift that cannot be measured they grow up to hear of God's great gift through Christ. Many are adopted once again, a second time, into God's family. It doesn't get better than that. So this passage tells us that though we were rescued by God's grace from slavery to sin, there is no stigma or need for emotional baggage for the adopted believer. 
When we were adopted by God, we were released from the, any spirit of slavery. I can recall that just a few generations ago, even in this country, being adopted had for some people a stigma attached. Some adopted children were deeply wounded by thoughtless words and unfounded attitudes. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those kind of thoughts that went on, but I sure can. Somehow an adopted child, isn't that nice that that child was adopted? What a good thing that was. But they really were thinking, yeah, that kid's adopted. Something less than a biological child, but that's pretty okay. You know, and uh, boy, how our hearts uh, have changed in this country. And I thank God for believers who see what adoption really is. In stark contrast to a stigma, being adopted by God places in the most glorious position of all creation, an honored place at the table of the king. Someday we'll literally be, we'll be welcomed into God's dwelling place. That's why later in this passage, Paul says that we in all creation eagerly await our adoption as sons. That means when we get to heaven, we won't somehow become more adopted, but that our adoption that we enjoy today will be fully realized. This is the word tells us, eyes not seen or ears heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 16 of Romans 8 tells us the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. that We are children of God. The Holy Spirit who indwells all who come to a saving faith in Christ assures us of our standing before God. In Ephesians chapter 1, you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit's seal this talks about here is like an official stamp that declares a document to be the real thing. When my wife Cindy and I uh, went to get our first passport some years ago, uh, we had to present our birth certificates, our certified copies of them. And uh, I didn't have, for some reason, my original birth certificate, so I, I went down to the L.A. Hall of Records, and, and I got a copy stamped with the county seal, which declared it genuine, just like the original. But I noted that, uh, with, with some interest, that Cindy's uh, birth certificate looked just like mine in every aspect. We were both born in Los Angeles County. Now, the reason I mention that is because I knew that Cindy was adopted. And her adopted parents picked her up from the hospital when she was born, literally. And the adoption was completed about seven months later. Uh, nothing on her birth certificate, birth certificate declared that she was adopted. It just said that her parents, who adopted her, Norris and Betsy Godwin, were her mom and dad. And to this day, Cindy has never had any doubt who her real parents were. I think most of us understand that a contribution of genetic material alone doesn't make anyone a real dad or a real mom. And Cindy could not have more loving parents. And they could not have been a more loving, and she could not have been a more loving, caring daughter. Um, we were talking this over this week, and uh, Cindy pulled out from her records uh, the adoption, uh, declaration of adoption. I want to I read it to you this morning. So I think that's the next slide. Um, it says this. Uh, there's uh, three slides here, so just bear with me. This is directly from... Cindy's order of adoption in 1953. This is a declaration of the court. 
I think you'll see the connection. It says the parents of said minor fully and freely consent to the adoption of said child by the petitioners. And the court further finds that petitioners in open court have each consented in writing to the adoption of said child by the other and by both, and that said child should be treated in all respects as a lawful child of petitioners, each of them. And the court further finds that the interest of the said child will be promoted by its adoption by petitioners. Now this next section. It is, for, is hereby ordered that Cynthia Louise, and then her last name was redacted, is now decreed to be the adopted child of Norris F. Godwin and Betsy Jane Godwin, and shall be in the custody of petitioners, and be regarded and treated in all respect as their child. And they shall sustain toward said child, and said child toward them, the legal relation of parent and child, and each respectively shall have the rights and be subject to all the duties of natural parents and child. And the name of said child shall be Cynthia Louise Godwin. I don't know about you, but every time we, we read that, we kind of tear up a little bit. I mean, look at what that means. That your mom and dad are, are, they really are your mom and dad. And you have all the rights as their very own child. And you have the rights of their daughter. And you know what? We're seeing that played out even today in a wonderful, glorious way. We're, we're no longer children of wrath, but children of mercy. We're no longer strangers and aliens, even enemies of God. Instead, we're, we're seated at his table. We're adopted from slavery and the sons of the king. We're declared his very own true children. And this assurance of adoption is so powerful that we can come to our Heavenly Father, the Most Holy God, Jehovah, whose name the Israelites weren't even allowed to say out loud. We can come to Him just as little children without a trace of anxiety or fear. And this is exactly what it means to cry, Abba, Father. An intimate term I think we know translate pretty much as Daddy or Papa. Verse 15, if you receive the spirit of adoption of the sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4 uh, puts it this way, beginning in verse 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Nothing held back. Fully, completely is. You know, it's, it's taken me years, literally, uh, to understand this amazing truth is the truth of Abba Father. It's been hard for me. I, I think a big part of me, probably that, that macho man part, uh, is uncomfortable with the idea of thinking of Jehovah God as Papa. I just, it's, it's hard for me. Um, and yet, this is exactly what the Lord Jesus called his heavenly father when praying in the garden at the moment of his greatest pain and sorrow. In Mark 14, 36, it records, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will. Jesus prayed to his heavenly father in his most extreme moment of his life, his earthly life called his heavenly father, Papa. I think also part of my discomfort with this calling God Abba, or 
Papa is because I think I'm fearful it can cause us to approach God almost irreverently at times. And yet I don't think this is, uh, this is the intent at all. God wants us to understand that his care and love for us, his fatherhood, isn't distant or formal. It's intimate and personal. He wants us to trust him and come freely to him with all the trust and innocence of a little child. Seeing God as Abba Father uh, takes all our pretense and all of our self-assurance and all of our self-confidence that we can do it on our own, and he places us squarely in his protective, loving arms. It's only as we understand that, especially guys, we understand. We can call our Heavenly Father, Papa. Will we fully allow Him to embrace us? We can fully recognize our desperate need to be cared for and loved and comforted and nourished by our Heavenly Father. He's given us the spirit of adoption by whom we cry. Abba, Father. You know, I see that played out in my own family, my two daughters especially. And they're both married and they're both moms. Well, the youngest one will be a mom soon. Uh, but when I, when, I, when I call them or they call me, the first thing I hear is, Hi, Daddy. You're never too old for that. I'm waiting for my sons to call me Daddy. It hasn't happened lately. Get the problem, you know. <laughs> but hey, when we understand God's gifts of adoption, it changes the way we look at earthly adoption. If we first think of God's adoption when we heard the words adoption, we'll see adoption into Christian families as a reflection of our adoption into God's family. It's a beautiful picture. But God's adoption plan is better than any earthly adoption. I think we understand that. Besides being eternal, it'll never end. It's more dramatic than any other adoption story. Now, I want you to just, for a moment, picture yourself as a believer in Christ. You know Christ is your Savior. I want you to think about a heavenly courtroom. God is the judge. And he's given his order of adoption. And God's order of adoption first declared us who were dead in our trespasses, children of wrath, deserving eternal punishment, deserving his judgment. He declared us first innocent by the shed blood of Christ. First thing that happened in that courtroom. The gavel is pounded. We are declared innocent. That we know full well that we were guilty. And the holy, perfect judge cast all of our sins on his, holy, on his only son, who literally became sin for us, and then he adjudicated us holy what the Bible calls, I think we all know, justified, being justified, perfectly aligned with his righteousness. He became sin for us that, the righteous, that we might know the righteousness of God in him. And then we have to picture this, the very same courtroom, at the very same time where we were just declared innocent, the judge then turns and pronounces us adopted as sons. An amazing part of this drama that's happening, playing out in this courtroom isn't that he simply declared us to be adopted, not someone else's son, but adopted as his sons. The drama here, the dramatic twist here, is that the judge is the adopter. And we are the judge's son. 
The judge adopts the orphan and formalizes the transaction with the official seal of the Holy Spirit. Just like Abraham on the mountain uh, with his only son Isaac, who asks Abraham, but where's the lamb? And God and Abraham answers, God will provide. We are in the courtroom with the most holy judge, just declared innocent though guilty, and we're now told that we're going to be adopted. And we turn and ask, well, where's the adopting father? And suddenly we find that the judge is the father, and he's going to bring us into his family with all the rights and privileges that sonship brings. Nothing that we deserved, all by God's grace. It's a pretty amazing thing. The gospel is an amazing thing. Being adopted in Christ is an amazing thing. It doesn't get better. We're adopted as sons unexpectedly. We're adopted in the spirit, though undeserved. And we're adopted as his children unconditionally. You know, sometimes I'll tell a kid when I meet his parents at the same time, I'll say, hey, you did a great job choosing your parents. Yeah, and kind of like, you kind of get a funny look. Well, of course, the answer is, well, I, wait a minute, I didn't, you know, kind of laugh a little bit. But what if you could choose your parents? Would you make a better choice than, than God made for you? But if you're adopted, one thing you know for sure, as I've already mentioned, you are wanted. And you know that your parents chose you with all your cuddly cuteness and all of your imperfections. And God wants us to understand that he chose us and that we have all the privileges of true sons and daughters. Verse 16, the Spirit wears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Children of God. Psalm 68, uh, verse 5 tells us, The Lord is the Father of the fatherless. That's us. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, he says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. And it goes on. It tells us, it, it, it affirms the gospel. In Him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. You see, God chose us, it says here, according to the purpose of His will. God chose us to be His children. You know, in the first century Rome, uh, parents of adopted children, uh, parents adopted the children, if they adopted them at all, in their adolescence. Why did they wait so long? Because they had to prove their worthiness to carry on the family name. It's not so in God's economy. He chose us to be his children before the very foundation of the world. God decided beforehand to lift us up out of our hopeless estate and place us in his family. He chose us even before time began. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 tells us that the point of God's redemptive mission is that he adopted fallen people to himself in order to most fully display his character and his glory. Calling undeserving sinners, that's us, his beloved holy children is the greatest act of God's grace that we could ever see, we could ever experience all through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and brings Him the greatest glory. To the praise of His glory, it says, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. And so as Son, He lavishes His riches and His grace upon us. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, I will welcome you and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. 
Now, the Bible records a number of adoptions, by the way, at least three that I can think of. Uh, there's Moses by Pharaoh's daughter. Remember that one? Great, amazing story. There's Esther by her relative Mordecai, who loved her as a father. But I think it's the story of David and Mephibosheth that most beautifully illustrates God's uh, gift of unlimited sonship. I almost didn't use this illustration, by the way, because it's really hard to say Mephibosheth a lot of times. Um, but uh, uh, this story is really powerful. Um, it illustrates God's gift of unlimited sonship. You see, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of King Saul. And after Jonathan's tragic death, um, Mephibosheth was, was left fatherless and destitute. Um, he, was, uh, he was disabled. And when David learned of Mephibosheth's circumstances, he gave him all the land that had belonged to Saul and gave him a place of honor at his table. David's adoption of Mephibosheth was an act of grace and love that foreshadowed uh, God's adoption of believers in Christ. And, and David had good reason, I think, to simply reject Mephibosheth and forget he would never, ever lived. Um, while his father, um, was Jonathan, was David's dearest friend, his grandfather Saul, uh, as we all know, sought to kill David. And because Mephibosheth was disabled and destitute, he could offer nothing in return for David's grace. That's pretty much what God did for us, isn't it? Why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. David probably had Mephibosheth in mind when the Spirit prompted him to write Psalm uh, 10. If you want to look there, it's a beautiful psalm. Psalm 10, beginning in verse uh, 17. Psalm 10, 10 verse 17, it says, uh, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. So not only were we adopted as children unconditionally, but finally we're adopted as heirs unending. We're adopted as heirs unending forever. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 8, back to our text. Verse 17 says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I wish I had time to go into this in a little more depth. I'm just going to touch upon it briefly this morning. Uh, just like David with Mephibosheth, all riches of God's glory were lavished upon us through Christ's sacrifice. That's why uh, Jesus was able to uh, offer these wonderful words of uh, comfort and promise to his disciples in John 14. When he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The Lord not only meets our needs today, promises to meet our needs for all of eternity. Adoption into God's family is better than earth, earthly adoption. But adoption into a Christ-honoring, Christ-loving family is a beautiful illustration of the kind of relationship every believer enjoys with the Heavenly Father. As godly parents, we willingly and lovingly choose to forsake the freedoms of childlessness. I remember those days. For the joys and trials of parenthood. And as our kids grow up, we realize that uh, when they turn 18 or 21 or get married and have their own kids... We never stop being parents. We get to be parents our whole lives. 
And as any real mom or dad can attest, the sacrifices begin the day the precious new little one enters this world. Every parent understands that being a parent means sacrificing. Anybody miss that one? We sacrifice every day. I could not even begin to tell you the number of sacrifices that my mom and dad made for their seven children growing up here in Garden Grove in the 50s. Um, those were tough times for them. They sacrificed and sacrificed so that most of the time we never knew that we had needs. And that's the, what it's like to be children of God. Sacrifices never end. And, but just like our Heavenly Father, in a very special way, understanding our standing in Christ as adopted children prepares us to fully embrace the joys of parenthood and to endure the heartbreak and the suffering that sometimes follow. Scripture tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but we do. And our children will sometimes grieve us. God's adoption prepares us to be better, more godly parents to our children, whether they're genetically related or not. God calls us to be parents that know how to suffer, just as he suffers for our sake, that we might fully be his children, fully know his love and his grace. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, it says in verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God? And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And then in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, it says, By this we, have, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son, sent his son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by, his, by this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. We abide in him because we are his children. So how do we respond to this amazing truth that we are adopted as God's children? We're adopted in Christ. Well, the first thing I want to share with you is that we should rejoice in our adoption. We should rejoice in our redoption, adoption. That we indeed are born of God. Again, back in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? In chapter, uh, the same chapter, going back a few verses, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we're children of God. We should rejoice in that. Lord, we're your children. Secondly, uh, I think that uh, understanding what it means to be adopted in Christ means that we see orphans as God sees them. Orphans in this world, deserving special care and justice. So once were we, orphans apart from Christ. Psalm 146.9 says, The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, that, they, that the way of the wicked and the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. He watches over the fatherless. 
And we should see the fatherless as God sees them. And thirdly, I'd ask that uh, we consider how we might minister and care for orphans as God brings us opportunities. They're all around us. I don't believe that God calls us all to become adoptive parents, by the way. Some of you can just take a deep sigh. It's okay. It's clearly not for everyone for a multitude of reasons. But we should be open to God's leading and the calling of the Spirit. You know, a fellow worker uh, where I work, um, he and his wife recently completed the adoption of their little foster child, Sammy. Had her for a couple years, and finally there, she's their own little three-year-old. Now, they have a couple of children born to them biologically who are now in their 20s. But God touched their hearts to adopt little Samantha. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see the joy that uh, they have in caring for this little one. Well, but there are many ways we can all obey God's clear commands about caring for widows and orphans, engaging in true religion. James, talks, James of course, talks about it in James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one unstained from the world. And I thank God that uh, many people in this church have so faithfully stepped up to God's commands. From participating in the ministry in uh, Rancho San Juan Bosco Orphanage in Tecate, to supporting orphans through various uh, agencies around the world, to providing foster care in safe homes. I thank God for those who have supported uh, uh, our daughter Rebecca while she was with Kids Alive. I thank so many of you for uh, your gracious care and, and encouraging others who choose to serve orphans in God's name. We don't do it because it makes us more saved or more worthy before the Lord. We do it because He first loved us adopted us into his family. So I just encourage you today to ask God to teach you and show you what he would have you to learn. To understand more fully what it means to be adopted in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these moments together. We pray that you would impress upon us the truth of your word and what it means to really be called the children of God. May we come before you as our Abba Father, trusting you wholly to care for us in every moment and every dimension of our lives. We commit ourselves to you anew, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.